This episode is sponsored by ByHeart. And I feel like I need to preface what I'm going to say with this. I'm a huge advocate of breastfeeding. Anyone who knows me well knows that nursing is something I believe in. And all five of our biological children were breastfed until they were 19 to 23 months old. However, we also have fostered and adopted, and I've been so grateful for formula companies in those situations. I'm also grateful for formula companies because our last two biological children, I really struggled with my supply and did all the things, spent so much time and effort, and just was never able to produce enough for them to be able to gain weight and not be hungry. And so I was so grateful for companies like Byheart. Byheart is an infant nutrition company built from the ground up to deliver real innovation on behalf of babies and parents. Their mission is simple, make the best formula in the world. Using the latest in breast milk science, Byheart created a clinically proven, easy to digest infant formula that's made with organic, grass-fed whole milk, certified clean ingredients, and features a patented protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. They're made with certified clean ingredients. It has no soy, corn syrup, GMOs, or palm oil. Curious about Byheart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com forward slash podcast with code crystal for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. So go to byheart.com forward slash podcast and use crystal to get your welcome offer. Welcome to the Crystal Pain Show, where we help you embrace your life right where you are and give you practical steps to get to where you want to go. Whether you are in your car, folding laundry, cooking, cleaning, or maybe even just enjoying a cup of coffee and a few minutes of quiet, we're so glad you're joining us today. Here's your host, wife, mother of four, foster mom, entrepreneur, and author, Crystal Payne. Welcome to another episode of The Crystal Pain Show. We missed you all. We were gone. Well, not gone exactly, but we were offline, not podcasting, whatever you call it, for the last two weeks. We took a break. There, that's better. Uh, We went to Kansas for Thanksgiving. We were there for an entire week, almost. Almost an entire week, yep. (laughs) We were gone for an entire week, and um, it was just a really wonderful relaxing, special time with lots of family and good food. And good weather. Yes. I mean, come on. It was better weather there than here. (laughs) It was beautiful. Usually in Kansas, we've gone back sometimes during the Thanksgiving holiday where it's been icy cold wind and, and it was just really beautiful weather. In fact, we did in this outdoor light show walk through thing mm-hmm. at a local botanical park. And I was concerned because we hadn't brought coats because we had looked at the weather and thought it was supposed to be pretty nice. Plus we're like, we're not going to be out much. So we're just not going to bring all of that extra luggage. I totally forgot about Botanica. <laughs> and gratefully your parents brought some coats for us, but it ended up being just a beautiful evening. And I was thinking, you know, in Wichita, Kansas, in when would it would have been December? End, it wasn't end, December. End of no, November. End of November at seven to eight p.m. I just did not expect it to be such beautiful weather, and it was just it was a really special time. And also, both Kirsten and Baby D did so so well with mm-hmm. just all the driving. They did great on the drive, and 
just the different schedules, different beds. The only thing I will say is Kirsten (laughs) was a little bit um, distracted by sleeping in a hotel room. And so she woke up very early every morning and wanted to go down to the hotel breakfast because she figured out they had this really nice (laughs) hotel breakfast that you could just go down to and eat it. So she would wake me up. She'd come and like, kind of like tap my face, mama, mama. She'd climb up in bed and tap my face, mama, mama. And then she would sign all the different hotel breakfast items that they had, like cereal and juice and milk and wanting to go downstairs. So I just decided, you know what? I'm just going to take her down there and we're just going to have special time together. And so every morning that was our thing that we did. And it was really sweet. It was just sweet to kind of have that one-on-one time with her. And then she would come back up. And then a little while later, when other people got up, she would go back down with them and have a second breakfast. And I think one time she actually went down three times, but take advantage of that hotel breakfast. We also have a big baby D update. And that is that he got completely cleared at his post-op appointment with his surgeon that he has no restrictions. And then he's doing so well with swallowing and eating orally that we have been cleared to start tube weaning him, which is a really big deal. And honestly, I think both of us were not expecting this Uh to be happening so soon. Yeah, I was, I was shocked. I've been, I've been totally blown away with how he's done with the surgery and then now this and his ears and yeah, it's yes, it's amazing. Just, he's, he's just thriving and we're just so grateful. Like just to see the difference that this surgery has made in his life. So tube weaning, basically that means that we will slowly be feeding him less through his G tube more orally. And it's kind of a process that we're going to have to figure out with his nutritionist and his feeding therapist how this is going to work for him because right now they're really feeding him enough that it's completely filling his tummy at every single feed just because he came to us malnourished and we're just trying to make sure that he's continuing to gain weight. The problem with that is, I mean, it's a great thing because he's been gaining weight and he's thriving and all that. The problem is that he doesn't really get hungry. And so when you're trying to feed him orally, he's doing a good job, but he, after about five bites, he's like, I'm done. And, and so we're trying to, we'll have to find that kind of delicate balance of making sure he's getting plenty so that he continues to gain weight and thrive, but also so that his stomach can experience some hunger so that he's wanting to eat orally. And so just, it's very weird to think of like, you have gotten all of your nourishment through a tube in your stomach and Mm -hmm. you don't know what hunger is and those cues and all of that. So that's going to be our new adventure. And we, we fully expect that it'll probably be a good year and a half, maybe two years that he continues to have the tube in just because there are so many skills that he's going to have to learn, especially to be able to take medicine by mouth, you know, and then also they're going to want to keep it in for quite a while after he's getting everything by mouth, just to make sure, like they talked about getting through flu season and cold season and all of that, just because if he has some sort of setback, the last thing they want to do is have to put another G tube in because he's not doing well. So they they'll keep it in for quite a while after he has fully mastered everything. So it's going to be a process. It's going to be a long process. But just the fact that we are starting with tube weaning, we're just really celebrating that. Did they give you a timeline as far as what they're looking at? 
they've just told me repeatedly, it's so hard to say, but based upon everything that kind of has been inferred to me, this timeline of him already starting tube weaning is surprising me. So that's, you know, I just feel like that he's doing exceptionally well. Um, So we'll see. And he can drink water from a cup now. I mean, obviously he, a a lot of it still comes out, but the Mm -hmm. fact that he's taking water in from a cup and swallowing some of it down is a big deal. Well, and he also, I don't know if you were gone. We have a kind of a sippy cup that you have to have suction in order to get it to work. And it's got two handles, one on either side. And he had it, it was on the floor and he went and he was trying to pick it up to bring it to his mouth to do it himself. I mean, it wasn't easy for him to do. It was hard work for him to do, but he had the drive to do it. Yes. I think that's the big thing for him is he very much has the drive and the want to where a lot of children who have gone through just the different traumas that he's gone through and, you know, being born prematurely, having event, having things like surgeries to your mouth. A lot of times they will have a lot of aversion to putting things in their mouth. And he doesn't have any aversion. He wants to eat orally. And so that's that's really been a huge thing that has helped, I feel like, his progress because of his want to and him grabbing for things and trying to put them in his mouth and wanting when we're eating, he's wanting to eat what we eat and everything. I forgot to tell you all what we we're going to talk about today, and that was our Christmas bucket list. We have talked about this concept before on previous podcasts, but we want to share what is actually on our bucket list this year. But before we get to that, Jesse, I believe that you might have a book update for us. Do you? Yeah, I've uh, almost finished the Brad Taylor's um, Pike Logan series. So with all, our, with all of our driving, we've been I've been able to hammer out some audiobooks. How many total? Mm-hmm. Oh boy. Uh, I think 16, 17. Wow. And you got all of them from the library through Libby. Is that through correct? Uh huh. Through the app that's from the library. And so is this then the end of the series or are there more coming out? Oh no, there's, out? there's more coming out. There's one coming out in January. So okay. is it like one book a year or something? I've probably so, asked you this before, no. but I get all of so, these. So it's series really weird. Up. He has done. On this series, he does one book a year, but then he's got a sub-series where he takes, and this hasn't been available, only one of these were available on Libby. So apparently he takes a, a little story from the previous book and he does a little novella and introduces a little bit more in a little novella in between the books. So he actually would do like two books a year. Interesting. Yeah. And this is the only series that he's working on. He doesn't have any other series. To my knowledge, okay. right. And and I've been able to pick up that you don't really lose a lot not listening to those novellas. Okay. You can you can keep on just that one series, but it's just a little bit extra to listen to those little books. Those are like for the diehard fans or something. People who can't wait a full year for the next right. book. They need right. a little something in between. Well, I finished a book and it actually wasn't an audiobook. What do you know? It was a pre-release copy of Carrie Kampakis. I think is how you pronounce her last name. It's K-A-M-P-A-K-I-S, um, called More Than a Mom. And it was all about self-care for moms. Now, that 
phrase self-care, I know some people, I feel like it, it has a lot of baggage with it. Mm -hmm. Um, but I loved how she presented it in a way that was, it's more than just bubble baths or ice cream or things like that. It's, it's kind of a holistic sort of thing. And the importance of, you know, your relationship with the Lord and your, the importance of your emotional health and friendships and just how we need to be pouring into ourselves as moms if we want to be pouring out to others. And so I felt like there was a lot of valuable information and a lot of practical information, but also a lot of stuff that just made you stop and really examine, okay, how can I improve in that in my life? And where do I need to be investing more? And how can I just be more intentional about this in my life. And she also wrote it. I think she said she was turning 50 the year that she wrote it and she has older daughters. And so I feel like she has a lot of wisdom from that of she's, she's not a young mom. She's, I hate to say older mom, but she's an experienced, a more experienced mom. And so I felt like it was helpful to just hear from some of the things that she wished she would have done when her kids were younger and the lessons that she learned from that. So we'll put a link to that in the show notes. I'm not exactly sure. I think it comes out sometime in the next few months. So obviously it's not a book for men. If you're talking about bubble baths and ice cream for self-care, what would be, what would be self-care for men? I don't know. I was wondering that. Well, you were just, in the gym working out. And I feel like that's probably something that for you yes. is self-care. Or I know for you personally, going out driving and just kind of getting out and listening to an audiobook or mm-hmm. um, something like that, or you even on your phone looking at next door. <laughs> I don't know that that's Not necessarily self-care, but, but that's more for you. You well, need what is, what is self-care? Self-care is doing something to fill your tank, mm-hmm. Taking, making sure that your tank is full. It's interesting because there was a podcast a long time ago. It was the Sort of Awesome podcast. They were talking about the difference between self-care. It's not quite awesome. It's just Sort of Awesome. Sort of Awesome, yes. They were talking about the difference between self-care and self-comfort. And okay. how a lot of times what we think of as self-care, like the bubble bath or the ice cream or it's whatever, actually self-comfort. it's actually self-comfort and is it actually more detrimental Depending to on how us. much ice cream you eat. <laughs> or just like how sometimes you will say, oh, I need to have self-care and you would turn on a show when really yeah. what you need is to get some sleep. Well, I think what you would look at is what is beneficial mm-hmm. and what will put you in a place where you are more towards where you want to be mm-hmm. would be self-care. If you're putting, allowing yourself to go to a place where you're wallowing and you are thinking, woe is me. And I just, I, you know, I need, I need to do this because I'm in a bad spot and just need to wallow or whatever. That's not self-care. I also think that sometimes it could be a numbing sort of thing. <laughs> like we're going to something to numb feelings instead of what we actually need to do is process through those yeah. feelings and let ourselves feel that sadness and uh-huh. not necessarily wallowing or you know feel that I'm really overwhelmed by this and and what can I do about this and I need to release this to the Lord instead of just being like, "Well, I'm going to sit here and eat this bowl of ice cream and it's going to numb 
my feelings for 30 minutes, but it's not going to heal anything. Yeah. I think of people that have issues drinking and trying to numb and ignore and override what they're going through. It's not helping them get to a a space where they're making progress. Because once that feeling of numbness goes away, whether it's the ice cream or whatever that is, it's back to the same position they were before. I was almost thinking like maybe there's self-care, self-comfort, and then almost like self-coping. Because mm-hmm. I feel like we we can go to things that are coping mechanisms, but usually there's dysfunction in coping mechanisms and it's not. Yeah. It's not causing healing and growth. It's not dealing with the root issues. There's dysfunction in coping mechanisms while there's function in self-care. It's positive. Mm -hmm. But sometimes how we mislabel things. And so just really asking ourselves. What is something? What is it? Yeah. Like how is this actually helping us? And do we need to shift gears here and Mm -hmm. deal with some root issues? So that was a. Rabbit trail segue, not segue, (laughs) rabbit trail, but an important one. Okay, so let's talk about what's saving our life. Jesse, you got a new gadget recently. I did. So I let Silas have my watch here a while back, and I've been going out for quite a long, going without for quite a long time. And uh, I had seen one that I would like to get it's uh, a Garmin watch now I was saving up for it waiting for and actually what I did I was sit while I was saving up for it I was waiting for the Thanksgiving Black Friday deals on it but I was pushing myself through a couch to 5k program saying okay I want to be done with it I'm not quite done with it but use that as a as a reason to push me to finish it that once I do it I can go ahead and get it I got it a little bit early because I had skipped a week or so. So I was a little off on timing with, as, with Black Friday. And uh, so I got this uh, Garmin Instinct. So it's not the usual $700 Garmin watches. Man, they're expensive. And, and it's a little bit more rugged, which is what I wanted, because I didn't want something that's touchscreen and you can you know break the screen and have a lot of heartburn because you spent so much money on it. What is the point of the watch? So I wanted to use it for putting in runs uh, and intervals that I'm doing um, instead of just using my phone. Um, it, it also connects to my phone. So I've noticed that actually my phone usage is going down a little bit. So I'm not, because I'm not checking on my phone as much, I'm checking on my watch as well as weather or notifications or time or things like that. And, um, you know, it just gives you that, gives me that freedom. So you can actually get internet? On the watch? It, it's connected through Bluetooth to your phone. So you can get anything that you get on your phone, you can get it on your watch? Potentially. Okay. Wow. So it's sort of like an Apple Watch? There are a lot of comparisons to Apple Watch. It's mm-hmm. not as robust as far as you can get notifications and get like the first couple lines of a text. Mm-hmm. So it's just, oh, you know, something came through. And you can then know to go to your phone to read the rest of it later or get the gist of whatever it has been sent to you. So I have that on my Fitbit. Um, I don't have it set up on my current Fitbit just because I never set it up. 
but I found it to be helpful in some regards because I could see a phone call coming through and it would buzz and I would know, oh, that's Jesse. I need to go pick that up or, oh, that's a wrong number or I don't know that number or whatever. Um, And I also like to just be able to see the first part of a text so I could know when I was in a meeting, let's say, Mm -hmm. oh, that's something urgent or, oh, I don't need to worry about that. So I felt like it was a little bit less conspicuous than my phone. Because sometimes maybe you're waiting on a text or the kids are at home and you know that there's potential for they're going to need to contact you or something, but Mm -hmm. you're in a meeting and you don't want to have your phone face up you know, as a distraction. So, so there is, but I also did find that it can be distracting too, because I prefer to just kind of look at my text all at once on my phone and not, I don't have bells going off for text because I don't want to be distracted by that. So it was a little bit like it's buzzing on my arm. And then sometimes you're like, kind of a distraction. Yeah. And you can be like, Oh, what else did they say? I got to go check my phone. So I don't know. There's pros and cons. One, One thing that I'm using more that, I have learned to really appreciate it is the multiple timers that you can set on it because I use it for keeping time for baby D and his feeds and just different things that I have going on during the day. Um, it really helps uh, having, because on my previous watch, I wasn't able to use but one timer. So you would recommend it? Definitely. Okay. Well, we'll link to it in the show notes. And what's saving my life this week is kind of silly, but I handed off the advent calendar duties to Silas. So we got these chocolate advent calendars for Christmas and Kirsten, I really wanted her to do an advent calendar this year. And Silas wanted to have a chocolate advent calendar too. And so I got them both the same types of chocolate advent calendars and he's been doing it with her every day. So they open up the little flap and read the verse and It's been great because it's this little special thing that the two of them do together, but then he's also very good at consistency. And so he will make sure that it gets done. And it's kind of one of those things that then they're doing the advent calendar, but it's not something, one more thing I need to remember, especially because if a child is Mm -hmm. Kirsten's age, they're not really old enough to remember every morning, like, Hey mom, let's do the advent calendar. When I feel like when a child is three or four, like they're going to come down to be like, first thing, let's have like some, some moms have told me their kids come down first thing in the morning. Let's have my Jesus candy, you know, but she's not quite there yet. But I wanted to establish that tradition with her because it's something that we've done with the kids. We've done different kinds of advent calendars. Did you you see, I found the one that I wanted. What was yours? The the one that's uh, modeled after the Christmas movie. No, I didn't hear about this. It's modeled after Die Hard. What does it have? It's I got twenty four different floors on the what is it Nakatomi Plaza, and each day you you pull it pull it out, you pull the candy, and the uh, villain drops down a floor. <laughs> this is a Pharrell thing, uh-huh. and I have not seen this one. <laughs> they have quite a variety of different advent calendars now, but I loved this one because it has a little verse every time when you open up the flap. Growing up, we always did advent calendars, but there was nothing inside of them. You just open up the flap and there was a little verse to read. So I think it's a little more exciting if you open it up and there's a piece of chocolate inside. Yeah, And it was like $7 on Amazon or something really inexpensive. Okay, so our Christmas bucket list In previous years, we've talked on the podcast about what this looks like for our family. But if you haven't listened to those episodes, just a refresher. So 
years ago, I don't even remember how many years, we started the tradition of not really having traditions <laughs> and creating I think that new, was when you were born. <laughs> creating new traditions every year. Although if you create new traditions every year, I don't think you can exactly call them traditions. The, but tra- the tradition is the creating. <laughs> yes. But I feel like it's so easy to kind of get stuck in a rut of doing the same thing every year and then feeling like you always have to do all those things because that's what you've always done. And as our kids have gotten older, I just really wanted them to have a voice and be involved and have a say in what is important to them. What are things that they really want to do in December? What are you looking at? A squirrel digging up my backyard, burying a huge walnut. I was like, you just checked out. No, I was listening. You can't be looking at that squirrel and be listening. Like that yes. is a literal squirrel. When people say squirrel, <laughs> that was a little squirrel. I need need to put curtains on these windows or drapes well, or something. We have uh, some animals in the front yard that are is, they're digging divots, and I'm trying to figure out what is digging a divot in my front yard, and I think that's what it is. Squirrels, okay, yep. better than moles. Yep. Anyway, back off the squirrel trail. <laughs> So we started asking the kids at the end of November, what are one to two activities you'd really like to do in December? And I have found it very fascinating every year because you would think that certain things would be really important to them. And we've discovered that a lot of things that maybe a lot of families would just do every year because Mm -hmm. the Christmas traditions, our kids just really don't care about it. And so asking them and every year they choose one to two activities. We create our December bucket list and usually there's somewhere between seven to 10 items on it. It just kind of depends. Some years people choose two things and some years they only have one thing and then we just put it on the calendar. And so if there are 31 days in December And there are seven to 10 items that actually breaks down to be very doable, especially because some of the things are really simple. It's not like this big all day activity. For instance, one of the things Caitlin chose this year, she wanted to get all new Christmas PJs, matching PJs. (laughs) Well, I know you're not really into the matching PJs, but every year. Not every year. Last year we did not because all of ours pretty much still fit us. So, but they do not fit all of us anymore. And so it's time for new PJs. Um, So that's not really an activity, but it was something that was important. And then she'll want, for instance, like on Christmas morning, when we celebrate our family Christmas morning, that we all wear our matching PJs. And so there's certain times that she'll want us to all wear them. And so it's just really simplified. The season helped us to focus on the things that are most important to each person in our family and just to create some fun memories together. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to just share what was on our bucket list to give you some ideas if this is something that you think, you know, this might work for our family because I think that we can overcomplicate Christmas or almost feel like we need to curate this perfection for the holiday season mm-hmm. or we see things in magazines or online and feel like, we're just really missing the mark or failing because our Christmas does not look like that. And I just want to encourage you. It's okay. Here's your permission slip to keep Christmas simple. Well, the other thing too, it allows 
what they come up with to show their personalities. Mm-hmm. And like you said, to do something that is meaningful to them that they will remember. Well, and I think it's just interesting. I learn a lot about them with what they choose. Right. And it changes every year. And so here's what's on our list. Um, I wanted to do a felt Christmas tree for Kirsten and Baby D. If you've seen those, you can hang them up on the wall. You can get them off of Etsy. I found a lot of them on Amazon. We just got one on Amazon. Really inexpensive, but it has just felt ornaments that they can put on the tree. And so it just gives them something like, here's your own Christmas tree. And so we got that. So I kind of got to pick three things because I was also sort of picking for Kirsten and Baby D as well. So the felt Christmas tree and then reading Christmas picture books aloud. We've just been doing one picture book a day with Kirsten and Baby D if he's awake. And that's just been special. We actually bought a few new ones this year. I got some ideas from Read Aloud Revival for Christmas picture books and we added some to our collection And so I chose the felt Christmas tree and reading Christmas picture books aloud for Kirsten and Baby D because they're not quite old enough to choose. But then Silas um, wanted to do a chocolate advent calendar like we talked about. And then Caitlin wanted to do the new matching PJs. And Silas also chose to go to Dave and Buster's, which has nothing to do with Christmas, (laughs) but it was something he wanted to do. something to do as a family together on Christmas break. So we put it on the list. Um, That is totally allowed. And then Catherine wanted to go ice skating as a family. And then my choice was Christmas cookie baking and game night. This is something we did last year and it was very fun. Everyone chose a Christmas cookie that they wanted to make. And then we all had an evening where each of us made the Christmas cookie that we had chosen. And then while they were baking, we had a game night and then we ate the cookies. And then Jesse, you chose... To go to a local festival here in uh, our town. And then everyone chose together again that we would just do our annual all-day family Christmas celebration plus our Dollar Tree stocking exchange that we've done for years. That's one of the traditions that we have kept for years. Um, Dollar 25 tree. Sorry, yes. Dollar Dollar Tree recently announced they're changing their prices. So they're no longer Dollar Tree. I think it's Dollar-ish tree. Dollar and a quarter. Um. But yes, so we'll do our stocking exchange. And if you're unfamiliar with how that works, I will put a link in the show notes to a post that I wrote on what that looks like for our family and also a link to what our annual all-day family Christmas celebration looked like last year so you can get an idea. Um, But it's really fun and we all kind of work together to create this fun day as a family um, that we, I think this year we're going to do it like on December 22nd because then we will leave to go to Kansas to have Christmas with both of our families. So there's our list. And as you can see, like if you think of breaking that down over the month, it keeps things very simple, but also means that we are making lots of fun memories and being intentional. And um, it's just a special way to celebrate December without feeling like there's so much to do and be feeling frantic and frazzled and overwhelmed with going all the places. And um, so I hope that that just encourages you and gives you some ideas. And if you have tried the December bucket list idea, we'd love to hear from you and love to hear what is on your bucket list this year. So as always, we welcome your feedback. You can send an email to crystal at moneysavingmom.com. I hope you have a great week and we'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us today. For more great resources, please visit crystalpain.com. 